Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a first Friday miracle edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio, merely Bo, the great Z. How you living, buddy? I'm doing all right, brother. Doing all right. Ready, obviously, uh, to get this thing going as we turn the page. And really, on a first Friday, normally we're just meeting the team. And we will meet the team today. Sure. But the coordinators yeah. are going to oh, talk yeah. because this is really like a Thursday. And everything's accelerated, getting ready for this game against the Ravens on Saturday. And it feels like it's a Ravens team that isn't sure who's going to be their quarterback. One thing we are sure of is who our quarterback is going to be, Deshaun Watson. Uh, we are also sure that we're going to look extra crispy. Are you kidding me with a white face mask? Bring him back. Gorgeous. Bring it back. Gorgeous. Bring it back. Man, does that pop, huh? Yeah, it's elite. It really. The pops. problem is our logo. Well, is our helmet, and it what has. What you have to face do? Mask. You'd have to take the white shadow off of the logo to put the white face mask on it. In the logo. I mean, we've had it before. We've had a way. white, yeah, and then it's just kind of it just is on its own. It doesn't have a shadow. It just is. It's just the helmet. Here's the helmet. On, I guess it would be have to be on a dark background. But yeah, we've had that logo before, because we had that. Then it was gray, and then it, see and it, then it went to the brown. Oh, it's just outlined. It's just got black as a black outline. It's white face mask with black outline. That's it. It's easy. Yeah, easy, easy peasy lemons. Bring it back. I think it's beautiful. There are. Um, I think it's stunning. I like. I it. couldn't agree with you more. Um, I I like the gray one too. I like. I do think the white ones even really pops um, even more off of the orange. Yep, it looks fantastic. No doubt. Um, it is. What is your what is your apex us uniform? That throwback that we wore last the year dual, is probably the with the shadow. shadow. Yeah, you throw that with the white face mask would be electric. <clears throat> that would look good with a white lid too. Well, of course, the white ever, lid would if be you ever did outrageous. that on, as a one off, not as a always, but as a one off. I do love the the brown top. Over the white, I do like the brown over the orange, not as much as other people do, because I know it's the cardiac kids, and that's a, it is a nice uniform, but it's a lot of color to me. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think our all whites are crispy, even our current all whites are crispy. I like that too. Yes, I think that's a good look. Yeah, I would. I know that there is a negative feeling to the all white because it was worn a lot during the 2000 and 2010s. Yeah, but uh, it was also worn a lot by Bernie. That's where I was headed. Like yeah. when I first got in here, there was an image. I think it was right there or around. Yeah, is also, it right around the yeah, corner? It's right around the corner. Yep. Is it still there? There uh -huh. was the Clay Matthews one was right there, but there was yeah, one of Bernie. Bernie's around the corner of him in it in the snow, and it's just gorgeous. It's such a great pop, so I love to see it. Everything okay? Yeah, apparently stream issues or something is not yeah. happening properly. I, I like uh, I like the white white face mask, orange lid, and I like white over white in the current look with the striping and everything with the, the shoulders and the socks, the whole bit. Um, the Eric Metcalf look, if you will, the Bernie look. Yes, and I also like the dark brown over white. I'm with you. I'm not. I I, I certainly appreciate why people like totally. the brown over orange. I get it, or the or white over orange. I understand that. Um, but when I think of like the look, those are the two that come back to me. Agreed. And the the white face mask really. It's Has, gorgeous. Have we ever seen a white face mask on this helmet? Well, I mean, because it's not, a different color. It's oranger. It's, it's oranger. Yeah. yeah. So the, I, I don't know that we've ever seen a white on this helmet. We've seen Could a gray. Yeah. But I don't think we've ever seen a white on this helmet. White. I don't know if we've ever seen a gray either. Yeah. Didn't we have a gray last year when we wore the throwbacks? This, but that was a different helmet. 
That was a white, just a singular white. No, this is the first the year of the. No, it's the same shell. So the same color. You're saying the same orange. Yeah, but the, the same orange. Different. Yes, yes. But I mean, the the orange was the new orange. So I think this is the first time new orange white face mask. Okay. Pretty sure. Because the first time they've worn it since like 03, 04, something like that. Yeah, and it was, it's a delight. It is. It looks very, very good. Imagine Melon down there. Just the excess. Uh, yeah. Of taking those all off and putting them all on it. I mean, they put the video out. That's what he was doing. It's not like these are new shells. Yeah. Changed them all out. No. It is nice. But I do think it's great when you can get, when we can do the new shell. When we can do as we've seen teams around the league do this year. When <clears> who's dropping one? Switch the color. Someone's got one coming up that's kind of a surprise out of nowhere. I Panthers saw, went with a black. No, there was one that was an unscheduled that could be dropping this weekend. I think you're right. There's one that is. Why am I blanking on it? It was one that wasn't planned for, and it just oh, popped. It's an, it's, isn't somebody going with a white lid? It's white or black. I, I just remember it's seeing black. it last week on social, and it popped, and I thought, well, that wasn't in the brochure. They called for a whiteout somewhere. Hold on. NFL whiteout. And then we were saying, oh, is that going to be a white lid? Most of these we know. have. Most of these have tracked, yeah. And we've seen them. Um, we're waiting on the cream sickles, obviously. Right. Yeah, I'm looking this up because I know it's somebody. Yeah, there's a new one that just popped. It was last week. Um, no, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I'm, I don't know where it is. There was definitely one though. I remember it just happened like a week ago. Yeah, was it the any- Patriots? No, that was planned. I don't see any current. Was it the Eagles black? Is that the one I was thinking of, or was that that one wasn't planned? recent? That happened. Yeah, it was somebody who did it recently. Yes, it was a it was a recent one where they they threw it on or they are, they planned to throw it. Yes, yeah, so all the articles I'm finding are from July when it was know, the ones that were all announced. All right, we'll figure it out. One of our one of our great listeners will will sort it somebody out. Somebody will get, get it sorted. Us, yeah, they'll get us the information. Um, yeah, the uh, the white I think would be cool as a throwback because we've worn that too. Yeah, wore that helmet at this point. I don't know how the Patriots vanquished the opportunity to wear the Buccaneer helmet in the creamsicle with so Brady because he's not coming back. Is the toughest job in equipment Ohio State having to put those Buckeye leaves on every week? Yeah, it's got to be. Any of those brutal? colleges that do those things. Is... Well, Ohio State does the most of them. I mean, it's a whole helmet full of them. Yeah. And they, they get battered in a game, and then you got to reapply. Yeah. That's brutal. And then you got to make sure every kid has the right amount. Because they're all different. And then the helmets change. Yeah. The the all black. Oh, yeah. Favorite. They've done some of that stuff, too, where they put the black with the red leaves or the yeah. green then leaves. Yeah, you got to change up gear. Yeah. That's a lot going that on. It feels like a lot. Those college guys. The Oregon guys probably have it most, but I'm guessing that was just a bunch of different shells Yep. versus having to change it very much. Players are back in the building today. You'll hear from them. Deshaun Watson, uh, among those you'll hear from today on the program. We'd have some roster updates for yesterday. Uh, more bad news at the linebacker position. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa on IR. JOK appeared in 11 games, 70 tackles, four passes defense, two forced fumbles for the second-year player out of Notre Dame. And he had seven tackles for loss. It was fourth on the team in tackles, second in tackles for loss, first and fourth fumbles tied with Miles Garrett, who also has two on the season. Just a monstrous loss. You think about the last time that we played the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, it was Jacob Phillips, it was Taki Taki, and it was JOK that were your top three tacklers. And now they're all on IR. Yeah. Not to mention Anthony Walker on IR. So 
This is tough. You had eight tackles for Taki, seven for Phillips, six for Owusu Koromoa. They had two tackles for Laska, mine, a forced fumble, a quarterback hit, a couple of passes defensed. I mean, those were the guys. And this is a team in the Baltimore Ravens that, fortunately, you're not going to be dealing with Lamar Jackson, but it is a team whose entire offense is built around putting linebackers in conflict. Yes. And we are going to have... You know, Deion Jones played the full way last week, 59 snaps, and actually played, I thought, very well. An interception, seven tackles, a couple of passes defense. He was all over the field. But, you know, now it's going to be Tony Fields, Konashik, Reggie Ragland, who just got here, and yeah. Jermaine Carter. But you're going to need – you play base against this team a lot. My guess is we're going to play Ronnie a bit at linebacker this week. Sure. But, I mean, this is this is the – this is a very difficult team to deal with when you're not 100%. Now, the Browns may catch a huge break, and it might not only be not Lamar Jackson, but also not Tyler Huntley, who's still in the concussion protocol. Anthony Brown, the undrafted free agent out of Oregon, uh, would be the quarterback. And if you watch last week, they won, but they didn't even attempt to really throw the ball once he was in. No, I mean, he was a 50% passer when they played. It's Vikings white. Oh, that's what it is a whiteout i knew it was yeah, a whiteout. whiteout yeah vikings dropped it they're gonna wear that on christmas Eve. that's gonna be that'll sick. look pretty slick yeah for them it's very good they went with a silver uh face mask on that yeah we hey look man i mean this I like the the, the middle of our the spine of our defense if you will has yeah. been gutted has either not played to expectation or now at linebacker has been absolutely gutted the middle of the defense is um it's going to be an adventure and this defense was built if you thought about if this defense was whole, it was really built with two teams in mind. It was built to run with the receivers of Cincinnati. It was built to chase Lamar Jackson. That's yep. what it was. Um, and you're really not going to get – was there a single game where you got a look at that against those two teams? Because Anthony Walker went out so early. No, but, I mean, you still – the way that we defended Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews in the first game was very much – Very effective. You saw that. I mean, that's what it was built to do. And we did a good job against Joe Burrow, honestly, Yeah. Um, in both games this year. I mean, that was that's the worst – certainly two games he's had against anybody and and you add them together and just make it an one average game it is by far the worst that he's done against anybody so you've been successful in that regard the most painful thing about that is that in those three games you're one and two despite achieving the goals you set out to and part of it's because of special teams blunders in both of the games against the Ravens and in yeah. the Bengals this time it would be an inability to kind of punch some things in offensively on a fourth down uh, it would be an inopportune turnover in the Ravens game the first one the sack strip fumble uh, in your area so it's it's tough it's tough that you you you've accomplished a lot of the things you know one of the things in getting ready for this game that just and we go back to the Anthony Schwartz thing and I hate to be the dead horse but he was supposed to be that guy and mm -hmm. he wasn't and that has hindered our ability to be a dominant offense and yet we are still a top I think we're number six in offense this year overall um, we're still a darn good offense we are number five rushing number six total offense we're third in explosive plays. Mm -hmm. But if you can figure that out, I mean, I think this offense could go nuclear. Yeah. If you could figure that out. And it's funny, I was getting ready for it. Deshaun Jackson, just do you have a if you know already, then you can you can admit that and, and just tell me. But do you know what Deshaun Jackson's averaging per catch this year? No. No point of reference. No clue. Nineteen point one yards a catch. He can still run and make plays. And just even Deshaun Jackson would have changed this football team. It's what I was saying yesterday when it was Monday, the days start to run together on this, but you don't need 10 targets. You need 10 routes out of the guy. I mean, it's it. You needed you, you needed 10 plays a game 
where the defense had to be on its heels or a half yard further back for fear that the top was going to be blown off, and it just you didn't have it. No, and you haven't had it. Now you can scheme guys open deep. We do that Which all the time. We do. we do that all the time with Amari and DPJ and Chief and several others. You can scheme them open deep 20 yards downfield for sure. Like you have that mid to long range passing game. But the bombs over Baghdad stuff, man, it's just there's no fear of it with no. this personnel. And they thought it would be Schwartz. It's not. And and it's missing. It's and, lacking. And you don't even have to hit it every no. time. It's more it's he the can threat. run it, and it's the space it creates then on the inward-breaking routes for Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and Amari, the space it creates down the seam for the Chief, all of those things. And we're, being, we're excellent without it, but I'll say it again. You know, you're not going to get that this year, and, and there's no reason why this team can't go 4-0 and at least make things interesting <laughs> these final four games. There really is no reason they can't. Will they? We'll see. But that, to me, is priority number one. Yeah. That's me, Nathan Zagura, my number one priority for this team. And I really felt last year, obviously, it was fix the passing game, which meant the quarterback. So you got Watson, bring Clowney back. That was good. And then as we went through the season, it was, is Schwartz the guy? And if not, if we don't have that defin a definitive yes by the end of training camp, get me Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller, T.Y. Yep. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, who's retired and obviously didn't want to play. But get me somebody that's got a little bit of juice to at least open some things up. And this is the other there, – there's so many layers to that, too. Uh, the best example I can think of, like, deep threat slash or quarterback with big arm, 2014 National Championship game. Ohio State plays J.T. Barrett. They do not beat Alabama. Cardale Jones, because of his ability to throw the ball deep down the field, Landon Collins was lining up a yard further back than he was before. And what did that Space. allow for? Space. It allowed for the underneath, it allowed for the deep, and allowed for Zeke Elliott. Same thing here. It's just an extra half yard back. It's just the thought of, oh, don't want to give up the home run. And right now, we don't have anybody on the roster who has instills that fear. Where's fail for Cardale? For in, Man, you remember that? Yeah, in terms of just probably the inaccurate biggest, tank scenarios. It's a hell of a 30 for 30 because I feel very strongly that he was coming up here to his high school to turn pro and didn't. Ended up back at Ohio State. And they kind of half measured the whole next season. And I don't even know where he ended up being drafted. Uh, but he was probably would have been a second-round pick coming out of that run he had to the national title. Came up to Cleveland, up to Glenville to go pro. And then has the press conference and then doesn't. Says, I'm returning. And everyone's like, wait, what? Really? You sure? Like, I, go. What, what? So, yeah, that I'm was a big one. I'm going to ask you, like, your Peyton, what, what changed? Um, I think powerful influencers – wanted insurance in case of injury because you had Braxton Miller who was hurt the previous year was a two-time Big Ten player of the year yeah so he was coming off a catastrophic shoulder injury and there was talk he was going to transfer out or they ended up switching him to receiver were you here when he was here briefly Cardell or Braxton, Braxton. Yeah, yeah yeah I was here when he was here was as a receiver in, I don't remember what year yeah, yeah I no he's in here as a receiver they run together second year oh they do it was either my first or second year. it was early yeah yeah because he had had the little stint in Houston and then JT Barrett was coming off of a leg injury that was very serious. And, like, if Cardale would have gone pro, they wouldn't have had a single active quarterback for spring football. So, yeah, the rest is history. He goes it's back. It's a leg. He does it was, it was, and that was it. Um, but, yeah, those, those things are needed bigly, um, you know, for this team as you get into that offseason wish list. I, I think there's a lot to play for this year. I think there's a lot of fascinating stuff a that I can't wait to see. But it's all predicated on Watson. Yeah. And that's a whole operation. I mean, these injuries on defense are real. Um, you know, I 
whatever this defense is the last four games, it's it almost really doesn't matter to me. I, I really just want to see Deshaun Watson operate in the next four games, get better and better every week. If he gets as good as he got between week one and week two as a starter, between two and three and three oh, and yeah, four. Look out. Yeah, look now out. you're on to something. He yep. is still right now, and I think it's very understandable, a see it open thrower. Yes. Um he's not anticipatory yet. Because he probably doesn't trust everything yet. It got better as that game it went did. on. When you watch the tape, it got better certainly in the second half. He was late on the interception, and that's something obviously he knows he needs to clean up. But he started to see it more clearly as the game went on. Something I talked with Coach Stefanski <clears throat> about uh, today, as a matter of fact, and, and he absolutely agree with that assessment and is excited to see where it goes. I think there's a lot of excitement about what Deshaun Watson could be. Now, here's the thing that sucks. Yep. We don't have a dome. No. And so these final four games are all going to be played in most likely bad conditions. Certainly it looks like the next two in Cleveland will be. And so all you want to do these games is throw the ball 40, 40, 50 times a game. Let him just yeah. air it out. Sling it around. Sling it around the yard. Get comfortable. Get as many reps. Get as many looks as he possibly can play in, in the NFL again. And I don't know how possible or how feasible that's going to be. And that goes back to my uh, original statement. Let's get domes for everybody. Domes, baby. Domes for everybody. Got to. You know what happens in a dome? Perfect conditions. Perfect yeah. conditions, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you'd, you'd be able to get the Buckeyes if you get a dome, too. You'd get them in the first round of that college football playoff in a dome. So this is a 34 high, the yep. real feel of 20, um, max wins of 33, average win 17. Uh, that's what you're looking at uh, for this week. Not terrible, but certainly next not great. Week's even more. Christmas Eve is even more ambitious. Twenty three on the high for that one. Jack, yeah. listen, Jack. I don't like any of that at all. Not interested in that. No, same. Uh, we'll go around the NFL. Bernie Kosar coming up in about fifteen minutes. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority can give you the bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your current bathroom into a custom bath for a spa-like experience? Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you, my friends, at just a fraction of the cost of the competitors. These guys are the best. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler. Experts, they're factory trained, they're ready to install in your home. They can do it for you in about a day. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. The number is 216-220-8399. Go to thebathauthority.com for more. It's where affordability meets quality. It's the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Acrylic tubs that insulate and keep the heat in. Tub to shower conversions. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com at 216-220-8399. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower model. Tell them that Bo sent you. They'll take care of you. Let's go around the league. Did you see this from Marcus Mariota? Yeah. Knee surgery. Good night, Irene. Just left the team, though. They benched him and just left. He's like, that's it? I'm good. I'll see you on down the road. He's having knee surgery and he's going on IR. No, no. It's a chronic... He Basically, left the, the Falcons team. had to spin it and go, oh, it's a chronic yeah, yeah, yeah. injury because he just was like, No, he left. Oh, they, they put him bench, and then he left. Yep. So on the bye week, he was just like, I'm good. I'll see you on down the road. Yep. Arrivederci, boys. Feels like there are four nice game checks for him, which he's going to get now since they place him on IR. Yeah, I so guess when you're a vested veteran, anyone's here on that roster week one, you're, you're, you're locked in. guaranteed. Yeah. 
He's made a lot of money in the league. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't feel like a good teammate. And everything you hear about him is he is a good teammate. I'll never forget it. First press conference I ever heard, the kid talks at the national championship game, and you, you saw the tape on him. He won the Heisman. Yeah. Sitting in front of all these people, and I just thought, I just don't know if this kid's ever going to lead men. Like, yeah. he just was so shy, yeah. so uh-huh. quiet, soft-spoken. I'm sure you ran into him at the combine. Like, it was the same thing. Like, it was, it was almost like, excuse me, what was that? You know, like everything was under his breath. Everything you could tell, he just was very uncomfortable in with the lights and the cameras and many people. Uncomfortable, comfortable, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, so Desmond Ritter will get a run. They're going to have to see what they have in Ritter, if he is the long-term solution there or not. At the very least, they're going to be a landing spot for a quarterback, whether it's through the draft or through free agency or trade. Atlanta needs one. So they got to figure out if Ritter's it for the rest of this season, or else they're going to go figure out something else in the draft or one of those other avenues. They got a lot of a lot of weapons there. I had forgotten yeah. that they traded Ridley to the Jags. Yeah, and he's going to just for like a bag of balls, right? Step right on in there. Yeah. Wasn't it for next to nothing? Yeah, next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. NFL and NFLPA reviewing the handling of uh, Devontae Parker's head injury during Monday night's game against the Cardinals. This is the second time this has happened where something was shown on television. It was like, wow, that seems like there's more going on there. And, his and it own- happened to Miami the last time around. This time it's to his former team uh, or one of their former players, Devontae Parker. Yeah, and his own teammate was the one, Nelson Aguilar, who basically demanded that the play be stopped to get him looked at, which was good teammating by him. Yeah. I will say it is very difficult for – like the officials to see all of that. Agreed. Fair. You know, so, yeah. you know, sometimes if somebody does see it, it's um, it's important. Debo Samuel was not put on IR, expected to rejoin the 49ers in about three weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't play until the playoffs. They're not going to be the one seed anyway. Yeah, and then, you know, Brock Purdy, you don't know what's going on. We're unsure his, his rib is not right. Still nothing on that? No, no, that's what they're saying. The has, rib is has Pedro weighed in on that? My... I said my dad this thing. Did you see Richard Sherman was talking about how good Kyle was? Yeah, yeah, I did that. on Kevin Clark's thing. Yeah, yeah, which was awesome, and that he knew he forced Quinn to even change the rules in his cover yeah. three base defense because Kyle exploited their rules sure. so much. My I, my dad is not one to appreciate the great. He, just like when I was a kid, we were going to lose every game we had with Joe Montana, we, narrator. We did not lose many games. In fact, we won the vast majority of them. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what he wants. He, he wants. He wants all the playmakers to make all the plays that are needed to win, but he also wants them to never have the ball so they don't get hurt. <laughs> and that's a fun ex- ex- to explain. Make all the plays to win, but just don't just always run out of bounds. But never be in harm's way. Well, never it's be in harm's way. It happens. Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, they are so dangerous. If I mean, even with Purdy, I mean, it doesn't even. I don't know if they're good enough to beat whoever comes out of the AFC. Without with like a, a Brock Purdy quarterback situation, yeah, that might be too tall of a mountain to scale. But they can win the NFC with somebody like that, no doubt. For yes, sure. yeah. yes, agreed. All right, for a team of injury lawyers dedicated to every client every day, call one eight hundred Elk Ohio. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. The great Bernie Kozar are going to join us coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Well, there's nothing quite in the world quite like tailgating touchdowns and twisted tea. It tastes just like real iced tea. You know why? It's made with real brewed tea. Cool, refreshing, a 5% kick of alcohol. It's thirst down and gold. Twisted tea, hard iced tea. Keep it twisted. And for that, we had it on the hotline, the Twisted Tea Hotline. In fact, brought to you by Twisted Tea, hard iced tea. It's the great Bernie Kozar joining us, as he does every single Wednesday. Hey, Bernie, uh, before we get into all the football stuff, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but we're going to wear the white face masks on the orange lids like the one you wore back in the day, my friend. What is your favorite Browns uniform that you wore or that maybe you would have liked to have worn? What what color combination, what face mask, et cetera? You know, as good to be with you today. So much has changed in the last 35 years, but one thing that hasn't changed, Bo and Nathan, is that my fashion sense leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> so I completely... Bernie, you're a tremendous fashion icon. <laughs> this is not you. true. Not I, true. We've yeah. seen you at the Miami press conference we where you turned this. pro. <laughs> I don't buy this at all. I've seen you in the Zubas pants at the NFL pro stuff. Come on, buddy. I, I will not stand for you not being a fashion icon. Hey, the old school Zubas, the old school Apex, you know, the quarterback <laughs> club. We we love that stuff. But, you know, you guys were, were so astute in the last segment or so talking about the last four games basically being in bad weather and stuff. And I mean this somewhat in jest and stuff, but the white, the white uh, face masks and stuff with the way we used to have mud spray painted green as our as our field and stuff <laughs> by the end by the end of the game it didn't matter if it started out white or brown by the end of the game they were all brown <laughs> that's no unbelievable doubt. the spray painting of the oh, field yeah. i mean you remember those images oh, yeah. for sure yeah yeah Gosh, not I'm great like... not great bernie obviously not the result we wanted down in cincinnati but i think a lot of the focus certainly now especially for these last four games on deshaun watson i, I thought he made big progress week one to week two what did you see you know, seeing 26 for 42, 276 yards, a touchdown, an interception, six rushes for 33 yards, um, to see what happened in Houston. And first, in the pros, there's no real substitute. There's no moral victories. It's W's and L's and stuff. But compared to what happened offensively in Houston the week before, and just seven days later, to see the progress that Sean made and, and being more comfortable out there. Of course, there's a few plays he wants back. Of course, only ending up ultimately with 10 points um, isn't isn't what you want in the Battle of Ohio. But his progress um, from in just seven days was was, was impressive. Bertney, the you know the thing that when you think about what he's trying to do here, 700 days without playing, and then obviously it was rough against Houston with some of the one hops and stuff, and then you did feel him building as the game went along in Cincinnati with his anticipatory throws and so forth. Um, the the word I think this always comes back to is trust, right? Because you got to trust a guy's going to be where you think he's going to be when he's going to be there. You got to trust that the play is set up the way that it's designed and that you're supposed to be where you're going to be. Can you build the type of trust necessary to play at a high level in the NFL in the middle of the season? It's challenging to build that trust that's necessary in the at the middle to the end of the season. Unfortunately, coupled with the fact that you know we were talking, we've talked a couple of times through the course of the year about Jacoby, in particular the first Cincinnati Bengals game where he ran the ball into the left the left side and had that uh, that rushing touchdown. And we remember Jacoby saying 
how he had a flashback to the L.A. Chargers game where he threw the, threw the interception and that the game is slowing down for him. And a lot of people have said, well, the game's slowing down. He has kind of demons in his head. He's remembering the bad plays. And we talked about, I, I believe, astutely on the show, that actually that's an awesome sign that the game is slowing down from him and it's almost in slow motion. And when the game was in slow motion for myself, boy, it was it was so much more fun to play. And after, well, to your, your point of Deshaun not playing in 700 days, to have played now two games and, and seven, seven, eight days and stuff, it's really unrealistic to think that the game's going to be slow for him. And yes, there's the trust with the receivers, but there's also that confidence in, in that belief in what we're seeing is accurate. And until you really get those live game reps and you get out there during the game, you don't really have that belief that you're seeing what you're seeing in the amount of time because a three-step drop is 1.7 to 2.2 seconds. And yes, sitting in a video room or in a meeting room, it's one thing to make that determination. But when you're out there on the field, the bullets are flying, and you got those 300-pound defensive linemen trying to decapitate you. That makes it that makes it a lot more challenging to make those decisions. Yeah, and you've got three guys who have more than 90 career sacks coming to town on the Ravens, a couple of great blitzing linebackers as well. And so you'd expect Deshaun Watson to see some pressure in this game. But I want to talk about you mentioned the weather, Bernie. You know, ideally, these last four games would be played in domes. We would get to see Deshaun Watson in perfect environments against NFL defenses, throwing it 50 times a game, really to just try to get him as many reps as possible, right, to go out the season. But it, we're looking at some tough weather conditions, certainly here. You know, Washington will likely be better, but it's not significantly better. And then Pittsburgh, you know, who knows, January the 8th, what that's going to look like. How as a quarterback do you deal with that? And can you still, you know, get a high-throwing you know, type of attack out there, a high-volume passing attack to get him those reps in this weather? And is it more about the temperature or is it more about the wind? Um, the latter gives me, still makes me, when I see all the wind that comes in Cleveland, that's the part that makes me somewhat happy to be retired these days. The cold, <laughs> the, the, the rain, the snow, you could deal with. The wind and the way it swirls within our stadium is is the Achilles heel for, for offensive football and that. And I'm, I'm with you. I would like to see decent weather, nice weather, to where you're able to run NFL offensive uh, plays, where you're able to throw the ball and get a feel for what we could do, um, throwing the ball and stuff. And also, I hate to say it like this because I've been the biggest proponent of run the damn ball uh, most of the season and stuff, but I don't want to see Nick Chubb um, in particular take excessive hits running the ball excessively 25, 30 times a game these last few games at the end of the season unless it really matters for the playoffs. And, yeah, uh, I'm sure he would probably disagree with that, but – you know, this is he's a superstar. He's a long-term career player here for our Browns, and it's essential that a Nick Chubb is at the peak of his game next year. So, yeah, it's coupled with keeping a, a Nick Chubb probably healthy and, and getting him to the offseason, coupled with um, we don't the probably this last this week or last week will be the last time we talk about. Deshaun not playing in 700 days, and we get into the routine of him getting comfortable and seeing what he could do. Yeah, I, I, Nathan, and I said that yesterday, Bernie. Like, I mean, I, 
we you you have a a point zero four percent chance of making the postseason. Like I I want to see Deshaun sling it all over the place. I want to I want to get this pass game running so that by the time you get to next year, you kind of have a feel of what works and what doesn't. And Bernie, I think that goes for schematic what works and what doesn't with Watson because this is a flip from what Jacoby was to what Deshaun is, and then also personnel wise, right? Who fits with the type of offense this is going to be? Because rest assured, next year in camp, this is Deshaun Watson's team, right? Yeah, but right on, right on point. I was actually going to say that it's 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 imperative and important for Deshaun and stuff, but equally as uh, important for the team, for the organization, for the coaching staff, for uh, for Alex Van Pelt, for Coach Stefanski, because they also want to see what what Deshaun does good, what Deshaun is comfortable with, who he has to rapport with, just as much as Deshaun wants to feel comfortable with and trust with the receivers, the old line, his footwork in the pocket, the play calling, the game planning. I mean, it goes both ways where um, his playing, his being able to throw and kind of spin the ball around out there also gives the coaching staff, the organization, the people around the organization to see what he's best at too. I want to ask you something about, you know, Look, one of the things that we saw in this offense, and it's been very good, right? It is, it's number six total offense in the league, 13th in scoring, so obviously you could do a better job finishing some drives. But one thing that has been apparent is that schematically we're exceptional. This is an exceptional scheme. We are able to get guys open. But it's also very apparent to me, Bernie, what is missing from this team and what we had hoped Anthony Schwartz would be is a guy that can take the top off of a defense and a guy that can create space due to the threat of his vertical speed, his ability to win over the top, all of those things. When Deshaun Watson led the league in passing in Houston, he had Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, both guys who could get down the field. And what that does is it creates space, so it makes Amari more effective. It makes DPJ more effective. It creates more space in the seam for David Njoku. I think it's kind of amazing we've done what we've done without that. But, Bernie, would you agree with the assessment that that's probably the number one thing this offense needs? And number two, just from a quarterback's perspective, what does it do when you have somebody that defenses have to account for vertically? Wow, big dog. You're right on point with it there. I mean, we talked last week about how the Bengals against Patrick Mahomes have been rushing three, spying one, and dropping seven, and that we may see some of that against Deshaun because Deshaun's got good wheels and is going to run the ball. And then, But we also pointed out that the Cincinnati Bengals lead the league or are one of the top teams in the league at zero cover blitzes. They do yep. six to ten of them every game. We got a few of them in the game the other day. And right where you're talking about, when you're not afraid of taking the top off the defense, when the DBs aren't afraid of you, me, and Bo running past them, they squat and they're inside. And damn, isn't that what we're seeing? Squatting inside. Yet when you see the Dolphins, you see some of the speed teams with speed-type receivers. Those DBs are apprehensive. They're afraid to get deep. deep. They're getting an ex- just a step or two, just a foot or two, a yard. But they're a foot or two or a yard deeper. And that just that little bit of space either allows you to throw the ball underneath super easy or when they come up and in that in that tight um, kind of press squatting coverage bro right over the top it's like stealing when you got that yes. speed. yeah and it's something that you know was identifiable in camp that was 
needed. The hope was that Anthony Schwartz would be able to be that. He hasn't, for myriad reasons, been able to. And now you can manufacture it open, but it's still it's that mentality on the back end. You don't need it that often. You just need some of it. I want to ask you one other thing schematically with Watson, because one thing that we obviously haven't seen too much of with Kevin Stefanski here is the RPO. Hey, hey, see Bo, much of it. Bo, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. And Bo, I'm yeah, trying to chime in too, but just how sure. you say and and Coach Stefanski, uh, Alex Van Pelt, Chad O'Shea, they've, they've taken some flack on some of the play calling. Um, you you kind of quickly said how the coaches how you have to manufacture the deep throws to get open. Um, you absolutely you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, and for having limitations in the speed department, we actually have manufactured guys yeah, with yeah. Uh, separation to get open deep. So I know I'm, I'm not trying to uh, lobby to be a, a coach next year by uh, complimenting them, <laughs> but they really have come up with creative ways to create it, and it's that's easier. Set, uh, that's not as easy to do as people think. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that in the first hour of – Look, you're, you're, you've gotten deep shots with Chief down the seam. You've gotten them with Amari. You've gotten them with DPJ. But there's not anybody that we feared, you know, bombs, right? 50 yards downfield, take a shot. You know, you need 10 of those a game, a guy who scares somebody. We don't have it. Um, I want to ask you about the RPO game. There were eight, I think, RPOs counted uh, in the game for Deshaun against Houston. There were a couple of them last week as well. It's obviously a part of his life and something that he did the whole way growing up through Clemson and, and his time in Houston. Um, how will how do you think Coach Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, and company will integrate that? And by the way, this is all going to have to marry because it's a different mentality for the offensive line, too, in terms of what they're allowed to do in the RPO game. So Bill Callahan's group's going to have to be on board with that. It might have to be something in the offseason. But how do you think that will marry into what Kevin Stefanski's identity offensively is? I do believe that will marry well into the identity of the team. Coach Stefanski, Deshaun, Nick Chubb, Coach Callahan, Yo-Line. But that's exactly where I think the RPO game and the trust game has issues in the 700 days of inactivity and coming in here in week 12, 13, 14 with only four games to go. It's, that's where it's really hard to have your timing, have your trust, have your confidence on a play that is uh, uh, where there's multiple reads where you're trying to make a decision in 1.7 seconds. Where you have to have your your brain, your head, your footwork, your arm, your understanding of the offense, your belief in the O line, your confidence in the huddle, your confidence in the pocket. All of that has to be in, in in really homeostasis to be able to kind of run those RPOs. That's the things that I believe that here in the fourth quarter of the season is the challenging thing to to get on the same page with it. That's the thing with the uh, a whole offseason, I believe next year will be significantly better at. And that that's, that's, that's something um, initially in Houston and last week in Cincinnati um, that is the probably the hardest thing right now to get the timing on. You know, it, it's clear that he's got a good rhythm with your guy, David Njoku, who scored again last week, catching the first touchdown from Deshaun Watson. And when you have a tight end that you can use in so many ways like that, Bernie, what does that do for a quarterback? Yeah, Nathan, I, I love my tight ends. And, you know, I've been high on the David Chief and the Joku, you know, seven catches, 59 yards, a touchdown. He's probably, besides becoming dominant in the pass game, I'd be hard-pressed to find a tight end who could block and 
be better than Chiefs right now. Yep. So, you know, I, I, I think that David Njoku is absolutely not just having an, a, um, a Pro Bowl year, but he's having an All-Pro year. He's for sure, him and Travis Kelsey are the for sure the two tight ends I want in my huddle. You're right about that. And, Bernie, I want to say there was one play that I saw in that game from Deshaun that reminded me. It was like a page out of the Bernie Kozar playbook. You have a screen set up to the left. It's blown up, so you just spin around, sprint out to the right, put a defender in conflict in space, and, and just pop the ball over his head for 20 yards. Was that was like when you saw that, were you like, that's vintage Kozar right there? My mobility He's taking another page right out of my playbook. I felt like that was a Kozar on that touch. But that's even in <laughs> even in even in Disney World Dreamland, the Bernie Kosar didn't have that athleticism and that late work behind me. <laughs> Was that was that a play though? In all seriousness, when you see his, his ability, people talk about making plays in and out of structure. And in structure, we saw him rip some beautiful balls—the one to Donovan Peoples-Jones on that post where he hit him right in stride, or the deep dig was a great throw. But when you can make a play like that, where a screen is blown up and you just improvise and turn it into a twenty-yard chunk play by running around, you know, is that one of the things that gets you excited because he's so good in structure? But then when you see what he can do out of structure, you say, even if the call doesn't work. He can still make wrong right. Yeah, absolutely. His, his ability in that game, and again, only scoring 10 points. I know I'm not saying this to be uh, Deshaun's marketing rep or to, or to stroke him and stuff, but his ability to make plays in rhythm, he made plays in the pocket, and then when plays deteriorate, his athleticism to make something out of nothing is, is really artistic to watch. And that's the type of stuff where. Um, that's the type of stuff where um, keeping that, keeping that uh, tra- uh, materializing, keeping that going is essential for, uh, for our success in the future. Bertie, you were a Northeast Ohio kid, so you grew up playing in inclement weather, knew what it was all about. You go down to the U and you play in the perfect conditions most of the time down there, and you come back and then it becomes part of your life playing here. Uh, Deshaun Watson's a a Georgia kid. He played at Clemson, then he played in a dome in Houston, largely dome or warm climates in the NFL, some in the postseason, but but not something that he had to face all the time. Are there any tricks of the trade to it? Are, Are there any little things that you know innately growing up in this climate Whereas if you don't, you wouldn't. Anything you could pass along to him, or, or even any other warm climate teammates you've had in the past, who, you know, didn't know the difference in playing in cold versus not. Yeah, there's there's absolutely there's absolutely tricks to the trade, and there's absolutely um, idiosyncrasies that you could maximize within our stadium. It absolutely starts with the wind. Me and Phil Dawson used to go back with all of our meteorology and figure out wind patterns and stuff, but the way it goes in there. And I absolutely uh, recommend to all young quarterbacks to go to each corner of the stadium, each pylon before the game, throwing up grass up in here to see which way it's swirling, which way it's going and stuff with that. And absolutely, um, the way the Cleveland Browns have scored six uh, touchdowns to start the season, uh, the first drive off this season, the way we're able to script plays early in the game, there's actually I would have two types of game plans for the end of the year for bad weather games. And there was bad weather wind-type plays that were really heavy with motions, shifts, and personnel groups. And just like we're able to sometimes create some some screen plays, some kind of cheap, easy throws early in the games with motions, personnel, 
um, uh, groups and stuff. You're able to do that. You're able to do that in bad weather games. So I actually like to almost save some of my motions personnel um, kind of easy plays and then use them up on days where it's nice weather, nice days to throw. Because when you got a nice day and you can throw the fades and you can throw the ball down the field, sometimes you don't necessarily need to trick the, te- uh, the other team when you're physically better than them. And, and physically, we're, we're physically been more dominant, I think, running the ball-wise than most teams this year. In, in, in adverse windy weather, sometimes you're, you're able to, um, I don't want to say trick the guys more, but with your personnel groups, your motions, and shifts, you're able to come up with easier plays to, to take advantage of, of things or not make big mistakes in the bad weather and leave it for the other team to make the mistakes. You're the best, buddy. Thanks for your time today. Love the conversation as always, pal. You matter. Go Browns. The great Bernie Kozar joining us on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea, an official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Coming up next, your current quarterback, Deshaun Watson, at the podium. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling family owned and operator that joins as a customer and employee. You'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Second hour here, Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here's your quarterback, Deshaun Watson, at the podium. Deshaun, can you uh, just address your first home game? You know, what's your mindset heading into this, playing in front of the home fans for the first time? Uh, my mindset, I'm very excited. Uh, this is something that, you know, is the reason why, you know, I picked to come to Cleveland is the, the play in front of the best fans in the, in the, in the world. And, uh, you know, I've been hearing things. I've been seeing it on TV. I've been seeing it from afar, you know, from different players and, and guys that's new to this team this year also, just like myself, um, what they talk about it and, and the experience. So uh, I'm looking forward to being able to play in front of them. Sean, did you see the level of improvement you were hoping from game one to game two? Uh, of course, you know that's the that's the key of the game is just being able to improve each and every week. This is uh, an improving league, and uh, you can't be able to you don't want to kind of go down each and every week. So uh, last week was definitely an improvement. Um, you know, of course, we want to score more points and, and win the game, but you know, if you speak individually, yeah, it was a definite improvement. But I have a long way to go. Is there a specific area like we talked about in the Kansas City one? Is there something specific that you felt like really uh, took that jump? Uh, just everything, the mechanics to the operation of the, of the offense to decision-making to, uh, you know, completing balls on time. Um, just everything was just uh, a complete improvement for my, for my game. Do you feel like it's, you know, you had mentioned you don't know when it, it's going to come back fully for right. you. Um, so if you kind of had to, I guess, weigh where you're at, how close do you feel like the, the, the player that you are? Um, I'm not. I'm not close to where I'm where I'm at. Um, 
And, you know, I don't want to be where I was in 2020. I want to be better. So, uh, you know, I have a long way to go. I want to continue to improve. I want to, you know, be that, that player whenever I step on the field. No one can stop us. And, uh, you know, that's my mentality. But, uh, you know, we have to go out there and continue to show that and try to do that and, and you know, not just talk about it, but actually prove it on the field. So um, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Um, and this team also is nowhere near where we want to be. So we got to continue to just keep growing and, and finish uh, the season strong. Sean, is it hard to kind of not put a timetable on it in your mind, knowing like, okay, you've got four games left and you have a whole offseason to kind of get back to the way you were? Is it kind of hard not to... No, I don't put limits on myself. I don't put timetables on myself. Like I said, each and every day, I just try to find a way to improve. So if that's you know mentally, if that's you know leadership, if that's uh, you know the, the student of the game, play calling, getting on the same page with Kevin, AVP, and those guys, like every day is an opportunity for me to improve. So I don't want to put any limits or no timetable on myself because I'm setting myself up for you know who knows disappointment. Um, or something like that if I don't meet that timeline. Sean, Amari uh, talked about getting some fireworks in the offense. Do you see that? You know, you know, how important that is to get the explosive part of the game on the offense? Yeah, that's the, I mean, of course, that's what we want to, you know, aim for is being able to be explosive, uh, get those big chunks downfield um, each and every time. But, you know, before we do that, we have to do the little things right. And that's taking the, you know, little, you know, easy plays that the defense give us, you know, the run game, you know, getting that going. And once we can kind of put all that together, then the big plays is going to, you know, take care of itself. So if we can do the little things right, then the big things will take care of itself. But I agree with Amari, like, that's what we want. That's what we have the athletes and the talent to be able to make those explosive plays. And uh, we just got to go out there and, and make sure we do it. Are you getting used to the weather yet? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little chilly, but uh, when I'm on the field, you know, I just I just be so locked in on football. So, you know, I don't be worried about the weather. It's been a mild winter so far, actually. Oh, yeah. So uh, hopefully it stays that way. <laughs> How about uh, this, this Ravens defense with them adding Roquan? Patrick Green is playing really well and Clay What about, you know, what challenges do they present? Oh, they present a lot of challenges. You know, and this is a defense that don't, it's very hard to find a weakness. Uh, you know, they're talented all across the board, and so you have to give them credit from the D line linebackers to the secondary, and then they can just roll guys in. I think the biggest thing for them is, you know, they have depth. So regardless if somebody go out, it's another guy that's coming in and, and play very, very well. Uh, but, you know, we're out for the challenge, and uh, that's, that's the point of, you know, playing in this division each and every week. You know, Cincinnati last week, Baltimore this week, and then same with Pittsburgh. You know, guys are very, very talented. They have great defenses, um, and then the coordinators are very, very good. So, you know, we have a challenge on our hand, and we're going to go out there and, and try to succeed. This division has a reputation for being very physical. A lot of guys that... You know, come to Cleveland or Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Says that they they mention that um, as a as a player who's not afraid to be physical yourself and run the ball. And that how do you balance being physical and aggressive with protecting yourself and, and avoiding a, a big collision? Uh, I mean, that's the name of the game. You know, it's just uh, availability. You know, if I'm not available, then I can't help the team. Um, and so, and that goes for everybody. So at the same time, you know, you got to be physical, you got to be smart. Uh, but from my position being the quarterback, I'm not going to go and try to run over a safety. That's not, that's not me. You know, I just slide and get on to the next play. I leave that to the linebackers and, and the receivers if they want to do all that. But for me, I'm just, you know, trying to make sure I'm getting up for the next play so I can, you know, stay on the field as much as possible to try to help the team win.
Deshaun, had like two games in now. How do you feel like you are with your conditioning, being in football shape? Is that something that you can really only up as you get more games in? Yeah, that's something that, you know, just each and every week, just continue to try to improve on that one. Uh, it was definitely a lot better last week than it was through the previous week. Uh, so I'm going to continue to just improve my conditioning and my stamina and so I can be able to go out, you know, do long drives and communicate the, the operation of the offense. Deshaun, do you think you've had an opportunity for those fireworks and you just haven't had the timing down, or has it been just more of a... You know, easing it into thing and, and not really having the opportunity for the huge play. Uh, I mean, you got to look at the the schemes of the defense. You know, Houston didn't allow us to have any big shots. Cincinnati did the same thing. Um, you know, with with a, the two, I think the two shots we wanted, uh, they got back and and did a you know, we call it they cut the crossers and slingshot the corners. Um, so you know, teams are doing a good job of trying to take that away because they know exactly you know. From previous, from when I was in Houston, that was something that I was very, very successful with. So, um, you know, just those opportunities got to come up. We got to see it. We got to hit it. And um, we just got to, you know, not hope for it. But whenever those opportunities pop up, we just got to make sure we take it. It's one of them for sure. Yes, sir. Did you hear Marlon Humphrey say they wanted to give you a not so soft welcoming into the AFC North and the rivalry? Uh, I just heard it when I walked into the locker room. But, uh, <laughs> No, of course. You know, that's the that's the key of the game. You know, they got to do their job to try to rattle me and rattle everyone else uh, around. And, you know, that's that's the fun of the game. So, you know, I love to compete. I love to go out there. So, you know, they're going to try to rattle me, and I'm going to do the same thing. When you played the Ravens a couple times when you were with the Texans, <coughs> did it feel like kind of a different brand of football because it's they're, you know, they're known for their physicality and it's um, No, not, not at all. You know, they, they did what they had to do against us in, in Houston. You know, I think the – 20 or 2019 when we went to Baltimore they put numbers on us and then in 2020 they came to Houston I think it was week two they beat us by 14 or something like that I can't remember the score but you know they did a, whatever they needed to do to, to get that victory and, and put points on the board and we didn't do our job when I was in Houston but you know this is a new opportunity new you know challenge and you know a whole different new team so uh, you know I'm going I'm looking forward to the challenge. Sean, how could this be a successful season if you guys don't make the um, you know, just trying to improve each and every day. And that's that's my mindset. You know, I can't control, um, you know, how the, the rankings and status like that. The only thing I can control is try to win on Sunday. So if we can win, uh, well, Saturday, the next two weeks and, and finish out the season strong, then who knows what can happen. And if we make it or not, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, we just got to let how things play out. And in terms of, like, the growth over the last couple of weeks with Kevin as a play caller. Are you guys feeling more comfortable? Yeah, it was just each and every day is an opportunity for us to get more comfortable, to see different things with different schemes that we're going against, what he's thinking, what I'm thinking. So, um, you know, it's only been two week, two and a half weeks of me and Kevin really working together. So, uh, you know, this thing, it's the sky's the limit, and we just got to keep, you know, try to work and put, you know, improve. Is this, when you talk about timing, is it, Easier or more difficult to get the timing down on deep shots compared to kind of the short to intermediate stuff? Um, I mean, just everything is about timing at the end of the day. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, for me as a quarterback, I got to anticipate because, you know, there's injuries that happen, things that happen. So, you know, you might be, a, you know, out there with a guy, you know, that haven't practiced with you all week. So, yeah, I say timing is, is definitely key, but, you know, I, that's something that in my mind I don't really try to, you know, process because everyone needs to be in the same spot we need to be, uh, you know, when that play is being called. So, um, you know, things happen, but I, I'm, I don't want to make any type of excuse of 
hey, this is all about timing and things like that. You know, at the end of the day, we got to make the plays and, and I got to make the throws. What have you experienced so far uh, with the fans in Cleveland? And I, you know, I know there have been some issues on the road with the chance and signs and things like that. But based on your experience here, what kind of a reception do you anticipate getting at the First Energy Stadium in terms of positive maybe some not positive um i'm i'm not even sure you know my my, my main objective for this weekend is going out there and just showing you know this crowd and showing the cleveland friends in this city that we're going out there to compete and this season not it's not over for us so i can't control what the reaction is going to be uh, i'm not sure what it's going to be but you know like i said i'm excited to go out there and play football and be you know and, and get back in the old school uniforms and uh, you know, the white face masks and things like that and have a little bit of fun and, and just try to, you know, make the Saturday, you know, something special for Cleveland. Deshaun, one of the challenges for an offensive line with a mobile quarterback like yourself is having to hold those blocks a little extra longer as you extend the plays. It makes susceptible for holding penalties or linemen leaking down the field. Mm. Um, from your standpoint, what do you what do you do to work with the the line maybe to I guess help them learn you as a as a player when you're extending those plays. Um, it's not so much of me telling them anything because I kind of just you know play the game and I react. And you know if I sit there and try to tell them, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and then they might be thinking of something totally different. And if I don't do that, then it's it's not you know we're not on the same page. So I think. It's a feel thing, you know, it's a it's a feel like, hey, you know, in this situation and this protection, you know, D.Y. is going to be sitting in the pocket on this side of the, you know, hash or vice versa. So I think it's just kind of, a, you know, a feel and just, you know, having me react to certain situations and going through, you know, live reps. And once, you know, you feel that out and then the whole line kind of figure out, you know, what they got to do to make sure that, you know, we don't get those holding penalties. Going back to the topic of uh, Cleveland weather real quick, um, in March after the trade, the Haslam said that they thought that, that was something they really had to overcome for you to, you know, ultimately choose the Browns. Right. Um, especially because of the conditions you faced a couple of years ago when Houston came here. How much did that enter your thinking when you were going through all your options? Um, my my main focus was what's the best situation for me, um, and what's the best situation for the organization to win a Super Bowl. And I felt like Cleveland was the best situation. Um, you know, that's something that he asked me for sure. But I told him at the end of the day, it's football. You know, you can get any weather in any situation other than, you know, playing in the dome. But, you know, for me, my main focus was just what is the locker room like? What is the organization like? How can we go win a Super Bowl? And that was my main focus. And that's why I chose Cleveland. Who, who did you say asked you that? No, the Haslam's, they asked the me Haslam. about the weather. Yeah, for sure. But I, that's what I told him. like, you know, the weather is not, that's not a priority right now. You know, my, my priority is, like I said, teammates, locker room, coaching staff, and what's the best opportunity for me to go win a Super Bowl. Now now you're here in December, going to play at home for the first time. Do you think it's a, leg a legitimate challenge playing quarterback, or is it just kind of um, not a real factor for you? Like I said, I mean, every, every, it's, of course it's a challenge. You know, I'd be crazy if I, you know, sat up here and said it's not a challenge. But, you know, not just for me, but it's for the opponent also. You know, the you know Baltimore got to come in and deal with the same weather as we do. So, uh, you know, we just got to go out there and just, you know, put the weather to the side and just try to make as many plays as we can. What do you remember about that game in 2020? It was like windy and rainy. I think there was a delay. Yeah, that was crazy. That was, <laughs> that was something I wasn't nowhere close to expecting and wasn't used to so yeah it was like five different weather changes in, in an hour so it was uh, pretty nuts 
All right, there you go. There's Deshaun Watson at the podium from earlier today. Coming up next, we revisit the 2022 Baltimore Ravens. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of one of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Before we meet the Ravens, did you get the answer to the question that we asked off camera? So we were going through one of the, the factoids that have come out about the, the Baltimore Ravens, which is a very good team, and, and we will get into the reasons why they are so good. But the 2014 Kansas City Chiefs apparently had a season in which their wide receivers did not catch a single touchdown. So we were like, who is doing this? And the reason this came up is that the Ravens receivers have gone 10 straight games without a receiving touchdown, the longest such drought by a team's wide receiver unit since an 18-game drought by Kansas City in 14-15. 2014 Chiefs had no receiving touchdowns by receivers in a 16-game season. So it is Alex Smith. Yeah. Alex Smith is the quarterback. Andy Reid's there already. He They go 9-7 and seven that year. <coughs> Alex Smith throws for uh, 3,265 yards, 18 touchdowns, and six picks. Was Dwayne Bow there? So Jamal Charles had five touchdowns receiving. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey had five. Bow was there, 754 Anthony, yards, but no touchdowns. Anthony Fasano had four. So tight end, tight end. Joe McKnight, running back, had two. Niall Davis, remember him? He had yeah. one. Niall Davis had six rushing touchdowns that year. And then Anthony Sherman, the fullback, had one. The receivers, Bo had 754 yards, 60 catches, 754 yards, which led the team uh, was second on the team behind Kelsey. No touchdowns. Albert Wilson, Donnie Avery, Jason Avant, Junior Hemingway, Frankie Hammond Junior were the wide Hemingway. receivers. Holy cow! No, not a single touch. That is, that's hard to believe. And this team came in second in the AFC West. Nine and seven. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, you know, it got me. I didn't realize that Kelsey was 20. So that was Kelsey's rookie year. Kelsey's older than you think. He was a rookie. Yeah. In, in, he was a rookie in 13, but didn't play. He must have got hurt. But he was a 24-year-old rookie in 2013. So his first year as a really playing was 2014, and he's 25. He's 33 yeah. right now. Um, had 2,000-yard receiving, receiving seasons pre-Mahomes and then post-Mahomes. It's been a steady diet of that. His targets with Mahomes are pretty ridiculous. He's already over 1,000 this year, and he leads the NFL with 12 receiving touchdowns this year. Yeah, 33 years old. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's wild. Um, all right, time to meet the revisit the 2020. We already know him. They're 9-4 and four in the season. First place in the AFC North. They have the tiebreaker over the Bengals. They beat the Steelers on Sunday. J.K. Dobbins is back, 120 yards and a touchdown. Who's going to quarterback him? Sometimes it matters. It's not going to be Lamar. We know that. Huntley's proven if it's not him, it's going to be the kid Anthony Brown from Oregon. Um, in terms of what they do, though, it's what they always do. 
Yeah, they're very good defensively. They're the number 12 total defense, number 8 scoring, number 2 against the rush. They have not allowed a single 100-yard rusher this season. Number 2 on third downs, 5th in sacks, 2nd in turnovers, 3rd in limiting big plays, and they're 2nd overall in turnover differential. So they beat you up. They take the football away from you. And since they've acquired Roquan Smith, the excellent linebacker, he joined the Ravens uh, since he has been with the Ravens. The Ravens are second in rush. Are they? Sorry, since Rokon Smith has come, Week Nine was his first game. They are first in the NFL against the run, fifty-five yards a game. Second in the NFL in scoring defense, thirteen point four, and they've allowed the second fewest touchdowns, a total of six. Only the Niners are allowing fewer points per game, and we know how good the Niners have been. They're allowing ten points per game. Roquan Smith has been sensational for them. It's a good defense, and then offensively, number two running, number four big plays. They're not elite anywhere. They're number 14 total, number 12 scoring, 27th passing, 10th on third downs. Uh, they don't turn the ball over, though. There's six in terms of turnovers. And so they're just a team that knows how to win, and they're playing right now elite suffocating defense, and that's how they're able to do it. But you mentioned, you know, if Huntley – Huntley's okay. Like, Huntley this year, 80% completions, 275 yards passing, one interception, 83 rating. He's run for 72 yards and a touchdown. He had the game-winning drive – against Denver, started last week, gets knocked out, was 8 of 12 for 88 yards, and rushed for 31 yards. He left with a concussion. Brown came in 3 of 5 for 16 yards, 3 rushes, negative 5 yards. And so it felt like once Brown came in, they were not interested at all in throwing the football, not even the littlest teeny bit, um, and not surprising. So they ran it. As you mentioned, 15 carries for Dobbins for 120 yards, 13 carries for Gus Edwards for another 66 yards. They even Kenyon Drake even got a carry. The quarterbacks obviously got some carries as well, but if they have to go with Brown, that's going to be, I think that's going to be a challenge for them. Yeah. I, I would think that it would be the, you know, the crazy thing about them is this is two years in a row where they have been riddled with injury and last year knocked on the door the whole way. This year, nine and four. I mean, they yeah. they just they can't stay healthy. Bateman, Dobbins, Lamar. It's one after another, and it's huge players. Like it's consistently Monstrous. losing the most important players on their team. Edwards this year, and it doesn't matter. Nine and four. Yeah, they know they know how to win. One thing to remind remember is we Lamar got hurt against us last year, very early in the game in Cleveland. Huntley came in twenty seven of thirty eight. That's seventy percent. Two seventy and a touchdown. Six rushes, forty five yards. The Browns did win twenty four twenty two, but. Huntley is not Lamar, but Huntley no. is still capable uh, of winning for them. He's two and three all time as a starter. Marlon Humphrey was asked on what kind of what kind of AFC North welcome he's going to give Deshaun Watson. Let's hear from Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, we want to give him a a not so soft welcoming. You know what I mean? So uh, it's uh, it's cool to welcome him to the rivalry. Um, hopefully, it won't be a good rivalry welcoming for him, but. Um, you know, it's, it's always, I think it's interesting to see, you know, when guys come in, this Robert, I mean, this AFC North, you know, it's really, it's not sweet over here, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's interesting to see, you know, how it'll be. You know, I love I love how basically all the teams now are just good in the AFC. You know, it just makes the game so much funner. You know, it makes the, the rivalry so much better. And so I'm really excited to, I know he's going to be there for a while, so I'll be matching up uh, against him for a while. Patrick Queen, another one of the uh, Baltimore stalwarts on the defensive side, was also asked about Watson. Here's what he had to say. Uh, still the same guy that he used to be. Still still a great quarterback. Still can move. Still can make the throws on the move. Can still do everything that 
any other quarterback could do. So uh, the biggest thing with him is just trying to keep him in the pocket and limit, limit the things that he do well. Best defense we face remaining? Yeah, well, since the Roquan Smith trade, here's where they rank. In points per game second, I mentioned that. Yards per game third, rush yards per game first. Yards per carry, 2.8 first. Opponent third down percentage, 28% first. They have been dominant. Yeah, this is probably the best defense that we played. They're big and strong up front. They've got wily veterans. Now, Justin Houston has nine sacks, leads the team, but he had eight and a half sacks in his first six games, only a half a sack the last four. Now, he got to us, mm -hmm. I think, maybe twice in that game. Campbell got to us and forced the fumble in that one. So, you, But, yeah, this is a good defense. Two good corners uh, in Peters and Humphrey. And then they've got, I think, one of the best pure free safeties in the NFL in Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams only played six games. He leads the team with four interceptions. He's got six passes defensed. He's got allowing a 36 rating in coverage. This is a guy who's got 19 career picks, big free agent signing. So they're sound on the back end. Kyle Hamilton's starting to play more their first rounder out of Notre Dame and yep. a big nickel look. Uh, and they are very confident in what they're doing defensively. They're winning because of their defense. Their offense has not been great, even with Lamar. No. It has not been great. It's been their defense uh, that has been very good. The only person that's got him is Trevor Lawrence, who's as hot as anybody in the league right now. He's got 10, picks, 10 touchdowns. No picks in his last four games. Yeah, he's been incredible. Yeah, they, yeah. Look, I mean, they they haven't been. They let Hollywood Brown go. They don't really have anything on the outside you're worried about. Bateman's been hurt again. Another year of him. They haven't had a receiver injured. score in ten games. It's a stunning. wide receiver. I mean, they they. It's really a one trick thing that they are. Yeah, and yet somehow it's the weeks churn and they win and they win and they win. It's well, pretty remarkable. They are clutch when yeah. it comes to winning. They've been time. the same thing, everybody, for so long. Same defense, same offense, same coach, same special. I mean, it's the same They're just operation. They're very clutch, and obviously things are going well. The only change was really on the defensive side, but they're running a very similar defense. They brought in the, the young man from, what, McDonald from uh, Michigan? Is that where he was from? Do I have that right? Yeah, Mike McDonald. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It is the same. It's the same formula. We run it. We play good defense, Mark Andrews. And then if it's close and it comes down to a kick, we have Justin Tucker. That's the next thing I was going to say is they have such confidence in close games because yes. they have that dude at the end. And it's if they can get to just a field goal attempt, they feel like they win. And 99.9% yep. .9 of the time they do, that streak finally didn't happen. He missed a 67-yarder. But other than that, That was a, a five-year streak. Five right. years. He, he did lined not miss up in the second half yeah. or overtime. I think five it, I'm telling you, years. Th their special teams are always so sound. Yeah. Harbaugh's came up through that, and so they're always so sound, and they've had him for a long time, and it just gives them a lot of confidence. Like, they don't, as an organization, they don't shoot themselves in the foot much. Perfect, perfect. Think about our game against them, okay? Tucker makes all his kicks. Duvernay, who's the Pro Bowl returner, busts one return on us that gives them free points. Yep. They're, they don't make mistakes, but they generate takeaways, as we talked about. They're second in turnover differential in the league. They are second in takeaways in the league, and they had a turnover that led to points. They scored, I think that game was 23-20, to 20, and they scored all of their points but one touchdown on short fields. Yeah, That's how they beat us. Just a couple of little things here or there, and that's little things have been big, big things for the Browns, and for them the little things are big things in a positive way. We, we've said that every all the little things that we that we can do, we fail at doing, it feels like this year. All the little things they do, they uh, they succeed. So good. Go ahead, Gibby. What do we make of the injury situation? And the reason why I say that, yeah. David Bell not on the field. 
A lot of big names on the bike on a short week. I think I think short week. Yes, my gut. I mean, you would know. I I think short week and Friday's the day you look. Or no, I guess it's like, tomorrow, so right? It, tomorrow's tomorrow the day. is a Friday. Tomorrow's a Friday, so that'll yeah. be the day you'll look. That's going to annoy me all day tomorrow. That like it's listen like, treating it like Friday, and I'm going to be like, oh, but I, we slept to come Correct. back here the next and day. And that's why I'm like, yeah. Cooper on a bike, JJ three on a bike, Miles Clowney. Those, Those are, are all, all the guys that rest. You, yes, yeah. David Bell. I mean, okay, that would, Bell would be the one that would be, but it, I different. Mean, but <clears throat> yeah, he isn't. Yeah, I mean, we've got. We're yeah. talking. You're talking about. 23 catches for 186 yards on the season. I mean, we're not talking about yeah game-changing, at least not at this point. No, hasn't been. Um, we're, we will be a lot healthier than them Yes, Saturday. That's for sure. Certainly. Um, well, But look, we were healthier than the Bengals, too. They were without a lot of guys in that one. We're banged up, though, in if all of our injuries were healthy, center has been a big injury for us. Sure. And then we're banged up completely at the second level. Yeah, the I mean, linebacker, it's been decimated, for sure. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. OBM, the official printer partner of your Cleveland Browns. Will you depend on your Browns to win? You can always depend on OBM. They'll tackle any size office. Call 216-485-2000. Visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. We head back to the podium. Special teams coordinator, Mike Prefer. Okay, good afternoon. Uh, you know, we're looking back at Sunday's game against Cincinnati's. Uh, we were... Obviously pleased by the way our punt team played, the way Corey punted the ball, the way we covered punts, you know, flipped the field several times for our defense. Uh, you know, Cade made both of his kicks, did a nice job there. We did a couple good things in the punt return game, but we can't have that that rough in the punter. That really kind of changed the momentum of the game. You know, uh, we were playing great on defense. We were playing great on special teams. We were, you know, moving the ball a little bit on offense where we kept them off balance and we gave them the ball back. And that was just a just not a very good play uh, by us and, and you know, hurt our football team. I think we made up for it later in the game. You know, uh, late in the game, we rushed, him, we rushed him again. He shanked a punt off the side of his foot, and we got the ball at the plus 48 with four and a half to go and gave our offense a chance with good field position. But, you know, looking back, obviously I'm going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, but looking back at that, you know, roughing the punter penalty is something we don't have here. We don't have mistakes like that, and that was uncalled for. What exactly happened Play, Mike, like when you talked to Tony after? Yeah, I mean – we knew somebody was going to get home, and, and uh, you know, we've been rushing the punt pretty well all year. We've been close, unfortunately, uh, four or five times this year, and he felt like as he got through there, there was no one there to block him, and he felt like he had a chance to block it, and he, he wasn't close enough in order to do what he did. You know, if he was really close, I can understand, but he was still probably a yard or two away or a yard and a half away from really affecting the punt enough to try to block it, and, uh, you know, he went for it, and it was a mistake. Looked like Cade wanted that shot at the end of the half. What was that conversation? <laughs> well, I, I'm looking at the yard line, and I told Coach what I thought was a good yard line to get to, and we weren't quite there yet. And you know, Cade's over there campaigning, which I love. I love the competitiveness of the young guy. Um, I kind of chuckled. I looked. Somebody said I was laughing, but I was smiling because a I was 
I was pleased that he wanted to kick that, but he doesn't look at the big picture of, you know, we have to cover with a lot of big people against a return man. You know, they're going to put a guy deep like we would underneath the goalpost, and if he's short, they're going to bring it back. That's a hard thing to cover for, you know, we have two D linemen on our field goal unit. We have six offensive linemen on our field goal unit. We have a snapper, a holder, and a kicker. So it's going to be tough to cover with those guys against a good returner. So that's why I'm glad we didn't kick that in that situation. Game winner, obviously, you know, you have to. Uh, and I think we were close on the Hail Mary. So I think the percentages say go with the Hail Mary there. And, um, you know, maybe it's the five yards closer, maybe we go for it. Has he lobbied that hard before, or was that the most animated he's been about something like that? The end of the Atlanta game, when we were starting to get in field goal range, he was lobbying for a certain yard line. And I think, you know, we never got to that yard line. So, uh, but in terms of that, yeah, that's, I mean, but it was great. I mean, I expect that from him. That's probably why I laughed and said, okay, well, I understand that's what you want. Um, I think as you know, we get more confident with him. He gets more confident and continues to to mature as a young kicker. Maybe you do, uh, you know, kick those. But you got to look back. He's had a couple block that were low. Um, those are the things that go through my mind all the time. And the, and the weather was actually pretty nice. The wind, wind was blowing slightly in that direction, so that would have been the direction to kick that in. So, but I was happy that he did that. And you know, he is competitive and he's very confident. And you know, I love that about him. Mike, as a coach, I mean, would you rather have have a guy who's that animated on the sideline and wants to go for the oh, sixty-eight yard? Oh, I've been the way. Oh, I've 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 coached kickers in the past, and they're like, "What do you think?" And they're like, "Can they kind of back into the shadows?" It's like, you know, I need a volunteer. They go, you know, one of those deals. So I'd rather have it that way, absolutely. Like you mentioned the blocks. The last time you you know you faced Baltimore, they they managed to get a block on you guys. They've been very good at blocking kicks uh, over the years. What makes them so good? Why are they so good at that that aspect? I think Calais Campbell's six foot nine, I think, or six eight. He has a lot a lot to do with it. And he's really good, and he's still as old as he is as a veteran. I'm not saying he's old, but as a veteran in this league, he, he does such a great job with his swim technique. He does a great job of getting in the A or B gap. Sometimes a C gap when he swims, gets his hands up in the kick plane. Um, you know, he's very talented that way. They've always been really good off the edge. Uh, Marlon Humphrey's done a great job off the edge over the years. Seymour uh, 25's done a good job as of late. Um, uh, Harrison, Malik Harrison, the one who blocked against us, that, again, that was a 60-some yarder that he just jumped straight up at the line of scrimmage. You can't, you can't protect against that. Um, you know, hit him right in the face. So, you know, they, they've got good players. They've done a nice job with their schemes, and, and uh, we've got to do a great job getting the ball up in the air and, and have good timing, elevation, accuracy. That's what it's all about for, for a field goal unit. Um, and that's where we're up to that challenge. Does that mean extra work this week? No, I think it's just, I'm sorry? On that particular uh, issue? No, I think the thing with Kate, as we've mentioned the last few weeks, is getting the ball up in the air, great elevation. You know, ever since the Buffalo game, you know, we've had the last two weeks or three weeks, he's done a really nice job of getting the ball up in the air, and uh, that's been the emphasis, and uh, we'll continue to emphasize that going forward. It doesn't matter who we're playing, he's still got to get the ball up in the air. Elias Campbell, does that give you nightmares trying to watch the film and see what he's able to do? Out no, there? I mean he—he's so talented. Um, you know, we got to find him. We got to know where he's at. We understand the swim that they love to do the swim. Uh, that's kind of their deal, and we got to do a good job of staying low and square and meeting force with force and all the all the coaching points that we constantly talk about. Our protection has been very, very good all year, and I feel very good about the guys that we have out there. Back to the punt rush, Mike, with, with Tony. Is it always something where? I don't want to get the game plan, but is it always rush all the time for him? Or are there different plays where you play off guys? Like, obviously, there's all out it's rushes. Every, every week's different. Every week's different. You know, some teams like Baltimore, they've been a fake team in the past. you got to make sure you cover the eligibles, make sure that if, you know, you do bring pressure, you got to make sure that the guys that 
are eligible that may go out for a pass or they may run, snap the ball, snap and run to the person protector. We call them the fullback. You know, so we're always aware of those ty- uh, types of things depending on the call. So every week is a little bit different. Tony's assignment or anybody's assignments is uh, week to week. Before the game in Baltimore, I saw like Cade and Justin Tucker kind of kicking next to each other. <laughs> Tucker's booming them, and it almost looked like he's trying to get in Cade's head a little bit. Like, would you be surprised if he did that? I mean, they were no, I wouldn't be surprised by anything Justin Tucker does. You know, he's a smart guy. Um, I, every time I see him, I just kind of almost bow and say, "Mr. Future Hall of Famer," because um, I have so much respect for him. But he. Uh, if, if he was messing with him, I'm sure Kate wouldn't affect Cade. Cade's going to go out there. I mean, Cade has the utmost respect for him as well for what he's accomplished in this league, and any young kicker would like to aspire to be have that kind of success. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. You could be unnerving watching him nail 60-yarder after 60-yarder in pregame. No, I mean, because Cade's going to nail 60-yarder after 60-yarder in pregame too. He just got to go out and do it in the game now, like Justin's done. We didn't talk about that on um... – on Monday or yesterday, but Cade wanting the opportunity at the end of the half for a sixty-eight for a yarder, sixty-eight yarder, wanting that opportunity. I liked it. Man. I like that he wanted it. Yeah, I mean, it's a job. It's a job to say no. It's ridiculous. It's it's outdoors. It's all of those things. Um, he could have done, but it. I like the fact that he fought for it. And I will tell you this, and I'm sure Justin Tucker's the same way. I haven't seen him warm up, but um, when we did take the boys to the game, uh, it was a game against the Patriots, and you saw his warm up. Um, it was staggering to watch <laughs> now it's got a transition and everybody knows that but um his his leg strength is something of awe the talent is <clears throat> without yeah. question it's there it's just about consistency now at, at this level and finding a way to be a guy like a justin tucker that you know and and there's only one of him so far but to be very very good and very reliable yeah. uh, that's the goal right consistently make your kicks and especially make the big ones that's what it's all about yeah it is I like I liked asking for it though. I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, you like the confidence, right? And yeah. you want you need that. You got to have that certainly in that position. And you know what, Justin Tucker is incredibly confident, I'm sure, um, and, and with good reason. I mean, Justin Tucker's a Hall of Famer, right? Isn't he? In my mind, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, I would think wouldn't Venetieri be that? Is he that? Is he in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Yeah. Has he been out long enough? Yeah, I don't know if he's been out long enough. I would think that he would be – he kicked for a long time at the end. He's 49. He is not – No, he no, played not. He played the 2019. He's oh, not yeah, so he's not quite there yet. Yeah. No. Yeah, four times – so his resume, four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time team, three time first-team All-Pro, uh, three Pro Bowlers. Um, some of that could be because he played with teams that were in the Super Bowl, although you'd still get the nod, wouldn't you? Um I mean, you think he's on the NFL 100th anniversary team? He's on the 2000 All Decades team. Yeah, but that's because they just didn't put Justin Tucker on it. Five Pro Bowls, five time first team All Pro, two time second team All Pro. Yeah. Career field goal percentage, Justin Tucker, 91. Career field goal percentage for Vinatieri, 83. Yeah. Vinatieri's got the clutch kicks, too, though. He's got the snow kick. He won two Super Bowls up no his doubt. feet. No doubt. Um, I mean, they might both be. It's been a while since we've had one. Is yeah. Morton Anderson the last? Morton Anderson, yeah. And then, like, Jan Stenerud? Yeah. George Blanda? It's a short list. Most field goals made since 2012. Most points scored since 2012. Best field goal percentage in NFL history. 158 40-plus yard field goals, most since 2012. 54 50-plus yard field goals, second most since 2012. Matt Prater had the most. Uh, tied for the most games in NFL history. Eight games with two 50-plus yard makes. I mean, he's... He's ridiculous. I think Vinatieri will get in, to your point. Lou the toe, obviously. I'm trying to think about 
No, yeah, that I, I knew that couldn't be it. Yeah, I I just was pulling up like kickers in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Stenerud, Groza, Jan Anderson, Stenerud. Blanda. Yeah, that was it Jan Stenerud from Sweden? And then I should say the U because I feel like that's what follows that, but I don't believe Jan Stenerud went to the U. No. Uh, although a place that is now just as expensive as the U in terms of real estate, perhaps more so even. Montana. Montana State. There it is. Jan I, Listen, yeah. I can follow Kansas clues. Chief. I can take contacts. clues, ask enough questions. Eventually yeah. you get there. Not many of them, but certainly uh, Tucker would certainly be headed that way. Oh, yeah. With the way that his career has gone. Uh, so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, let's play a game of uh, pop quiz. Ooh, I like it. How many seven pass catchers on the Cleveland Browns roster <laughs> made more money this year in salary than Jackson Smith and Jigba made at Ohio State? Ooh. So you, all the whole lot of our receivers, everybody who catches a pass who isn't a running back, everybody who catches a pass who isn't a running back. Oh, in base I, I, salary, you're talking tight ends too. Tight ends too. So uh, I'm guessing it's going to be one because of the way Amari's contract is two. structured. So it'll be chief one. Well, I'm saying cap hit. I'll use cap hit. Oh, then two. Two. You, you would be correct. Yeah. Uh, Amari Cooper and the chief both made more. Uh, they are the only ones who did. Uh, Everybody Jackson, else is on a rookie deal. Jackson Smith and Jigba made one allegedly made one point seven million dollars playing, playing wide receiver at Ohio State and played uh, what amounted to about a game. He was hurt in the Notre Dame game, played a little bit in the Iowa game. That's it. That's the list. Opted out of the bowl games. All of this was crowdsourced from boosters and fans yep. and stuff, and they paid it. C.J. Stroud was. Uh, like 2.75. Are people freaking out that like Ohio State's getting outbid by on some of these people? Oh, no, it's quite calm. Yeah, no, no one's talking about it. <laughs> well, I, I, let me put it this way. I literally do three hours on this yeah. every as, morning. As, as if every I've seen morning. it, if I know about it, yeah. as, nobody's taking a second mortgage out to help, to help finance some of this. Uh, the look God. of it's impossible. You have it's a, never going to end. You have a an athletic department that – that's revenues is two hundred and twenty-five million dollars, whose expenditures are one hundred and eighty-nine. Seems like a nice is, profit, right? And they have thirty-three sports. They don't need them. They could have fifteen. They choose to do thirty-three, and they are asking Joe Fan yes. to give. They're at press conferences saying, "We need our fans." Like, are you kidding? Haven't they done enough? It's it's an awful look. It's an awful look. And people say, "Oh, they can't." They can't. I said, "Well, how about take the nine million dollars the head coach makes and having give four point four point five percent of that, or four point five million of that to the collective?" No, they can't do that. NCAA won't allow it, folks. There is no NCAA. The presidents and the athletic directors are the NCAA. The NCAA has not ruled on anything from a ruling standpoint since COVID. They have no enforcement arm. They laid them off. There's no enforcement to the NCAA. It's lawless. You can do whatever you wanted. If you wanted to say, okay, now we can fund our own collectives, you could do it in a second. It's crazy. I bet you're really enjoying that for three hours. It feels like a fun conversation. It is fun, though. I do hours. enjoy it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, it's fun. Um, but th it's never-ending. That's what I mean. And all, these... they, all they had to do was just put the boundaries in place and then let them go. 
All they had but to no, do, but they didn't do it. All they have to do now, and there is only one way out of it. I can't be convinced that there's another. All they have to do is call it what it is: professional sports, and share the revenue and have salary caps and contracts, just like they do everywhere else. Just call it what it is. It's enough. It's but they refuse to do that, and so doing so, now they have no control over any of it. It's wild, man. Wild times. See it. Catch the Browns preview show tonight, 7 to 8, University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Deion Jones, voice of the Browns. Jim Donovan joined Ken and Gerard on the show tonight. The next level is coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.